0: Welcome, everyone, to the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast, where we explore the spirituality of the Christian child through the method of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. I am your host, Carrie Meckie Lozano. So today we will be continuing our four-part journey through the book, The Good Shepherd and the Child, A Joyful Journey. So today we're diving into chapter two, Helping the Child, which was written by Silvana Montanaro. And we have Maggie Radzik with us today to dive into this chapter, this really beautiful chapter that really focuses on the infant toddler in our lives. This episode really goes beautifully with episode 13 that we had just about a month ago that was on the infant toddler atrium. When I was editing this episode, I really felt like it was one of those episodes you'd want to share with anybody in your life who has a young child in their home or a grandchild or somebody that they are very close to. It's a beautiful conversation and a beautiful chapter written by Silvana that has deep respect for this age child. But it also shows the spiritual aspect of those everyday activities that we do with this very young child. Again, you can follow along with us by just listening to these episodes, or you can read the chapters before or after listening to the episodes. And please Join us on our online community on our Facebook page to join in on the discussion that we will be having there. Just as Silvana began her chapter, I wanted to begin this episode in the same way, by reading the very first paragraph. Each child is an important person to you as parents and to God. These reflections and suggestions about the beginning of the young child's growth are offered to help you nurture your child's development in body, mind, and spirit. Welcome, Maggie, to the Good Shepherd and Child podcast. We are so excited that you have joined
1: us today. Thank you. I'm excited to to be able to do this.
0: (laughs) Hey, Maggie, would you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey with Catechesis of the Good Shepherd?
1: Sure um I uh met my dear friend uh Nasha Mian, who is on her way to becoming a level one formation leader in college and she was a Montessori child and she introduced me to Montessori um you know over forty years ago and after i had been a traditional teacher for a number of years i was looking to get my um graduate degree i was teaching teenagers and this friend said well if you're teaching teenagers you should take the zero to three ami (laughs) montessori training and i said uh zero to three (laughs) he said yeah it's the parallel time in life and i said I, you know, I thought she was crazy. And she said, Well, it's out in Denver, Colorado. And I said, Denver. I've always wanted to live there. So that's <laughs> the only reason I went out. Really, really had no interest in Montessori at all. And that's where I met um, in 1990 or 1991. Silvana Montanaro was um, the co trainer with Judy Orion. And literally in the first week of that course, my entire life changed. And I just knew why, for me, I couldn't go back to traditional teaching and just had to know more about this Montessori. So I went on and took the three to six training after that, and then the six to 12. And I've been a Montessori teacher for almost um, 27 years, I think, and wow. a few years after the zero to three, also in Denver. It was at that course that they said, well, you know, there's a religious part to it because uh, nation, and I would go to daily mass. And one of the trainers said, you know, have you ever heard of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd? And we had read The Child in the Church by Dr. Montessori, Mm -hmm. but we really didn't know about CGS. So um, we took our first level one in 93 um, in Denver and then went on to take level two, level three with Rebecca, and then I became a formation leader about 14 years ago.
0: That's amazing. So So you mentioned that you were trained in Montessori by Silvana Montanaro. That's really neat, especially since she is the author of the chapter that we're going to be discussing today. Can you tell us a little bit about who Silvana is?
1: Yes, she was a doctor um, from Rome. I got to visit with her in her lovely apartment a number of years ago. Um, she specialed in psychiatry, and uh, she and her husband had, I, I think it was five children, and with her oldest, she was looking for a program, and I think it was when that daughter was 18 months old. She met John Agobi and had her, Jonna uh, had her daughter in Jonna's um, toddler environment and then Jonna introduced her to Sophia Cavalletti and it began this lifelong cooperation. Um, Jonna Gobi was the woman that um, was a dear friend of Dr. Montessori's and she was the person that Dr. Montessori really collaborated with and, and turned over the work of the zero to three to Jana. So in, in our training, I remember uh, one of the most moving days was when Dr. Montanaro showed a the slideshow of Jana Gobi giving a newborn a bath. And it was just, it was almost like watching a liturgy. I mean, mm-hmm. the respect with which she lifted this child and treated this child and the way, you know, she was looking deeply in the eyes, and it was just absolutely beautiful. And that's what, you know, when I reread this chapter, and I would just highly recommend for anybody to read Dr. Montanaro's book, the Understanding the Human Being, the Importance of the First Three Years of Life, because she just states so beautifully the cooperation that the adult is supposed to have with the young child that it's really mm-hmm. this whole shift from what's you know at least very popular in American culture I don't know if it's the same you know in Italian that it's much more of a doing to the child um, mm-hmm. and like Montessori said we we really have to stop this idea that we own our children that our children are our possessions, you know it's this mm-hmm. privilege that we've been asked to cooperate with God in you know helping the child become who they're supposed to be and and this chapter you know even though it's it's so short she she gets right to the heart of that that everything we do with the child is meant to be this cooperation mm-hmm. and in so doing we're developing this deep relationship with the child and then the the last section becoming like a child you know that was um certainly in our 0 to 3 training that was you know very much emphasize that the child is your teacher, you know, that Mm -hmm. they are sent to bring us back, you know, so that we can accomplish those words that our Lord said, unless you turn and become like this child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, how do we do that? Mm -hmm. You know, well, here's the child right in our midst, showing us that life in the present moment. You know, they live that ever present now. And their complete and utter trust on the adult, never questioning, you know, that the adult will be there and satisfy their needs. And, you know, a, a three-year-old never says, mommy, are we going to have dinner tonight? You know, they, they just totally trust, you know, that mm-hmm. dinner's going mm-hmm. to be on the table, that all of their needs are going to be satisfied. And I, I just love the way Silvana um, says it so succinctly.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think in this, in this chapter, you can definitely tell how much she really respects the child. And throughout the whole chapter, she talks about, she talks about doing things with the child, not to the child. At the very beginning, she says, everything you do with your child is education. And that idea alone, that, um, like taking, yes. She was talking about taking the mundane, like changing the baby's diaper or feeding the baby, taking those things that can be like, oh, I'm doing it again. Oh, I'm doing it again. Oh, I feed this child 20 times a day. Taking those moments as education and relationship um, and not just looking at them as mundane things. And I thought that that was really beautiful.
1: Yes, yes. And I've been privileged to be around a number of Montessori families, you know, where they do this from the very beginning with their children. And what's so beautiful is then you see the older siblings treating the younger siblings in exactly Um. that same way. You know, mm-hmm. they're so gentle with the, ch- and they're telling the baby, you know, here's the nine-year-old changing the baby's diaper saying, now I'm changing you, you're wet. And this is <laughs> going to feel so much better, doesn't it? And, you mm-hmm. know, and I remember um, one of the things Silvana said is, you know, always looking at what the, the baby's hands are doing. We, we had to do many, many hours of observation in the zero to three. And many of the hours of observation, the children were asleep you know, part of it was um, newborn, but she said, notice those hands. They're almost never still. They're feeling the blanket. They're searching out the face. They're feeling the toes. They're, you know, taking in this brand new world through their hands. And she was always calling us to watch what the baby's hands are doing. And the minute, you know, if we go to change the baby's diaper, and if the hand goes on the diaper, our attitude should be, yes, do it with me. You, you undo that side and I'll undo this side. You know that, or mm-hmm. the baby's hands go on the sock. Yes, let's do it together. Um just beautiful. And, and another thing I remember is when my um, friend had her baby during the zero to three, when, once there was a baby and anybody that would be holding a baby when the adults were talking, Silvana would always, and as well as the other Montessori trainers, look right at the baby in, in the midst of this conversation with adults, you know, never leaving the child out that deep respect for, you know, even though, you know, we were talking about, you know, writing a 20 page paper, I mean, it didn't pertain to the child, but just the respect that, you know, I, I started noticing that doesn't happen in our culture, people will yeah. act like the, the young child isn't even there and just go on with their conversation. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: so that that really struck me how that that deep respect.
0: You can tell that Silvana sees the child on their mission from conception. Like it's not, I think, I agree that in our culture, I think it's an attitude of when they're age of reason or when they're older and can communicate back with us, um, then that's when we start. Yes seeing them as on a journey. But Silvana very much respected that as soon as they are conceived, they are on their journey in the kingdom of God, has a place to become fully a realized human being from the moment of conception, because she talks about how the child and how much they're forming during pregnancy and the relationship that is forming and the trust and the confidence and all of that that is forming even during pregnancy and how so their journey begins then. And so like you're saying that she totally would look at the child, that makes sense because she saw the child as a fully human being that deserves respect and dignity just as much as any adult in the room. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes. And and that mysterious time after birth that Dr. Montessori called those first nine months after birth the the period of the spiritual embryo, or she also called it the external pregnancy, when the child is, you know, basically mute. You know, I mean they, they will start babbling, you know, five, six, seven months, but they're not speaking words yet. And how active that absorbent self is that they're taking in everything so that at 11 12 months they show us they have understood everything that's been going on now their body can express it now when mom is looking for her keys or her shoes you know that little toddler runs off and gets the shoes and brings them back and oh, we're stunned you know you you knew exactly and and mm-hmm. you know dr Montanaro would say you know they didn't all of a sudden understand at 11 or 12 months they've they've understood but their body couldn't carry it out yet you know it was that period of this long period of um not being able to move that they're just absorbing what Mm -hmm. it means to be a human being that really mysterious time i don't know that it's natural to a lot of people these days i I think this is, uh, certainly in our training, it was a big aha, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that that little being that's not communicating back, that is the greatest amount of development that happens in our entire lives, that first Mm -hmm. year of life. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, it's really amazing. Um, A friend of mine who went through occupational therapy training, she learned that in the first three years of life, more neurons get connected in our brain than any other time in our life. Yes. and so a yeah. child being neglected in those first three years is one of the hardest things for a child to ever recuperate from. Um, and so, ever, stimulating yes. a child, loving a child, talking to a yeah. child, touching the child—all um, of these things stimulate those neurons to be connected in, in our brain, so that they have that that strong
1: foundation for in those first three years, because it's so important. Those first three years. Yes, the the importance of that touch that, you know, she, Montanaro was always stressing that these containers that have been invented for the child are not for the child, they're for the adult. And Mm -hmm. she would hold out her two arms and say, these are the containers that the child needs to be in prior Mm -hmm. to crawling and walking you know rather than the bouncy seat or the you know it's that amount of human touch um, that is so important and that Now we know what's, you know, Montessori just observed it and passed on her observations. But now we know from the, you know, these caps of electrons that electrodes that they put on the baby's brain, baby's head, every time they receive touch from the mother or the father, it's igniting those nerve endings that stimulate brain development. Mm -hmm. Um, The amount of human touch can't be emphasized enough. And Sylvana, and she
0: talks about the security that comes from having a basis in your childhood like that, where you know what to expect, like when she talks about routine and those kind of things, but also a secure in the person that's going to be taking care of you that they 100% are always going to be there. The security, the personal security that comes for their whole life. And then she parallels it to... um, than the child's a foundation for the child's relationship with God. And when I was reading that part, I'm trying to find it, but I can't, I think it's on page 17. When I read that part, I felt, wow, that's, that's huge. So how secure, how dependable I am for my baby can affect the foundation that the child has in their relationship with God. Our yes. Father. Yes. That's, that's intimidating a little bit. <laughs>
1: Yes, I don't know that she named it in here but um in her lectures she would talk about the two psychological legs that are established in the first 3 years of life and that she said just like with our physical leg if something goes wrong with the development of the physical leg in utero the baby you know the person will go throughout life limping you know as she did she she had a Something wrong with her leg and she limped her whole life and she would often give it as an example. And she said it's the same with the psychological leg if the child doesn't absorb that first psychological leg of trust in the world that this is a good place where my cries are answered my needs are answered in love and tenderness. Then And they absorb that in the first eight weeks, you know, and then the second psychological leg is trust in self, that I can do things, I can make mm-hmm. mistakes, and no one says anything about it. I, You know, I fall down while I'm learning to walk, and nobody says, oopsie or whoops, they just wait for me to get back up. And, mm-hmm. and the child learns, they can, they can accomplish, they can go forward in life, not being afraid to make mistakes or errors, they know they can correct them. And try again.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, earlier you were talking about um, the adult and on page 20, Silvana says, in relation to God, we are more dependent than the child is in relation to us. Yet God puts us in the heart of creation, mm-hmm. gives us mm-hmm. the whole world and says, this is all for you. Do what you can use it responsibly and wisely. This was huge for me. When I read that, I was thinking, wow, we are more dependent on God than the child is dependent on us. And yet, look how much God trusts us with the whole world. Who are we to not trust the child to to do some things yes. or to to be the master of their own world in some ways and and to give them that freedom to grow the same way God has with us.
1: Yes, yes. You can meditate on that for a long, long, long time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Probably the rest of our lives. Yeah.
0: I found that very beautiful and very um, challenging to mirror God's relationship with us as adults or us as people when we look at how we parent or how we treat children, the children, especially the very young children in our
1: life. Yes,
0: definitely something to meditate on.
1: Yeah, I've been able to work in a few toddler environments that have just been, you know, so wonderful with zero to three year olds, and more than one adult who has come in to observe. You know, it was life changing for them. to Mm -hmm. to sit like a fly on the wall and not have any interaction with the children. And I particularly remember one of the um, missionaries of charity who came in to observe and it was part of her level one formation. And afterwards she came out and said, I feel as though I've just seen heaven. Mm -hmm. You know, children, their desire to collaborate with one another, their desire to be purposefully active and, you know, not seek out distractions of, you know, make believe or toys or, you know, how they wanted to be doing things. And they, you know, we're seeing like Montanaro makes the point in this chapter, this strong desire for independence to be able Mm -hmm. to do for oneself, that then is the basis of being able to do for another that we can't be fully interdependent unless we've become independent. And that's this goal, this back and forth of learning to do for myself. And then I immediately, you know, we see it in our toddler environments all the time. The minute a toddler knows how to do something, (gasps) They want to do that for everyone else. You know, once they can get a cup of water, what do they do? They want to bring everybody in the room a cup of water and not just one cup. They want to bring you, you know, they want to repeat and bring you cup after cup. Or once they know how to wipe their nose, they want to go around and wipe the noses of all the other children. And it's just so beautiful to see that, you know, the goodness of the human person when we step back you know, and see them in this prepared environment that that's what happens.
0: Yeah, it's really beautiful. The the child and their journey towards independence and interdependence. And my journey with Montessori has taught me so much of this, that my natural desire to try and help a child isn't always helping the child. So I see, oh, this little child needs help opening a door or tying their shoe or get a cup of water or whatever it is. I'm not always helping them by doing those things. I'm robbing them of that personal growth or that personal independence that they are seeking out. Um, a dear friend of mine, Gabriella Perez, I had her on the, on the podcast early on. She taught me recently with my daughter. I have a nine-year-old daughter. She was helping out at her school, and she would walk the little kids up to... To the classroom from their car. And she would open up the door for them and let them in and say, have a good day. Oh, and Annabelle just loved doing that. And Gabriella came and talked to me and was like, why don't we talk to Annabelle about how she can let the, the child she's walking do those things. So she can walk next to the child because she loves mm-hmm. doing that. But then to wait patiently while that little Three-year-old tries to open the door for thirty seconds. Instead of um, being impatient and trying yes. to be helpful and open the door for them, rather be patient yes. and let them take their time figuring out how to open that door. She's yes. such a natural little mommy, but in some ways, you're you're restricting that child from the growth that they could have. And I think a lot of us as adults we are trying to be helpful, and in doing that, we are hindering the child of growth. Or maybe we have a particular way that we like things to be done, like maybe a way that to put on a tennis shoe or a way to comb your hair or whatever. And so we do it for the child when we're robbing them of that growth that they could have. Sylvana says, helping little children in their own effort to grow is truly a form of service. And that was a huge growth for me. That's something that I'm constantly having to check myself like. Is this something that I can let my child try on their own? Should I show them the steps and then back mm-hmm.
1: off? Yes, it's a real refinement in a way of being with a small human person. Really noticing, um, sh- she would stress to us, you know, in especially today's world where children are going from car seats. She said, we we just take the child out of the car seat and begin to carry them. Mm-hmm. And she said, we really need to realize once a child is walking, it is disrespectful to just assume that we should be carrying them and go at our own pace. Mm -hmm. You know, as much as possible, we are helping them climb out of the car seat themselves. And yes, it takes a lot longer. And okay, you know, maybe we can't do that every time. But when we see how much it means to them, and so many mothers have said to me, Maggie, after I allow them to do that, after I restrain myself, And let them do that. They're so much happier, you know, Mm. that their their whole morning or their whole afternoon has changed because they have that sense of self. I had Mm -hmm. an urge to do something and I was respected. And I love her part about weaning in this chapter, a big Mm -hmm. step toward independence, weaning. That it's this whole process. It's not a, you know, the adult decides the child, it's time to be weaned. You know, it's this beautiful process that around six months, the child starts to develop these enzymes in their gut. And so we offer one weaning meal. You're still nursing, but in the middle of the day, you're offering this beautiful And she said, it's a, it's a sacred moment, the phone should be turned off that now it's the first time the adult is sitting opposite from the child for a meal. You know, before it's been cradling, and we're in that infant stage Mm -hmm. looking down at the child. Now we're at a tiny little weaning table looking across from each other. And it's this beautiful new moment. Each one has a spoon, you know, the the mother has a spoon, the child has a spoon. And it's this initiation into the next step of life. Mm -hmm.
0: And can't we all relate to that whenever we've had these moments of accomplishment or a job well done or growth inside of ourselves that we felt inside? Yeah, yeah, I feel really good about ourselves. And yes. And to remember that the child, even the very young child, like the weaning six month old child, has those moments as well of look at me look at that build the build of sense of self confidence that the child can have in those moments right well maggie i wanted to ask you so this chapter that silvana wrote has a lot of really beautiful practical information about especially the 0 to 3 year old child and their different developments and their different sensitive periods can you speak into how this chapter plays into the spiritual life of the child and why it's important to have in a book about Catechesis of the Good Shepherd.
1: Yes, um, I I think part of it is, um, or, or maybe the bulk of it, is our attitude as adults needs to change toward the young child. And when we change that attitude toward one of respect and cooperation, we're beginning that humility you know, we're really deepening our humility, which is really necessary for allowing the child to follow the plan of God that's within them. Um, As Dr. Montessori would say, you know, quoting the long tradition of the church, the the best way to develop the supernatural is to develop the natural. The supernatural Mm -hmm. builds on the natural. So anytime we're working with the natural development of a being, we're facilitating the supernatural development. So when we go to take that time and we see the child, you know, watching us pray, or we see them gazing at this beautiful picture of our, our Lord and our lady, or a picture of the nativity, When we're not rushing them and we're allowing them to take that time, that's building that Mm -hmm. spiritual life that's already within them. You know, we know they're in relationship with God already. And what we're wanting to do is allow that deepening to proceed. And so, what do we need to do as the adult? We need to eliminate distractions and eliminate obstacles to that by giving them periods of silence, by you know, following their natural development, which, you know, when we're doing that, they're happy. They the young child loves to be silent for long periods out of the day when they've, you know, they've been able to work. And so then they have this period of calm and silence. Um, and we're allowing their natural concentration to develop, which you you know dr montanaro would say it's evident that the child in utero is concentrating we have the technology now to, to see that mm-hmm. to facilitate that concentration after birth you know not interrupting them when we come in their room in the morning and we see that they're gazing at that mobile or they're looking at their hands but by us not interrupting we're facilitating the deepening of that concentration which naturally leads to contemplation mm-hmm. so It it really is um, just respecting this natural development that then when we are offering the language, Jesus is the light of the world, or you have been called by name, already that soil, that deep soil has been tilled, and those truths take much deeper root within the child. You know, we know the Holy Spirit is in charge, but it's just so much our restraining ourselves and in doing so, in observing another, we're giving, right? We're giving of ourselves. We're not maybe Mm -hmm. doing exactly what we want to do in the moment we're giving. And so it becomes this real act of service, which our Lord said, you know, the one who wants to be the greatest among you is the one who needs to serve. And so we're... You know that's how the child is is making us holy. When when we see their utter delight in being outside with the wind blowing, you know, mm. and they just start giggling when the wind takes their hair. And you know, who but a child would make us stop and appreciate these tiny beautiful moments in nature Mm -hmm. that little bitty ant carrying that giant crumb you know that toddler will watch that for 15 20 minutes if we don't interrupt them and that's how they're they're leading us and I, i remember a statement by saint therese that i thought was so beautiful and when she was talking about the characteristics of spiritual childhood and she said if we watch the young child they are not naturally discouraged a young child trying to feed themselves, you know, the yogurt's going on the right cheek, the left cheek, Mm -hmm. the chair that, you know, they don't give up. They keep trying to get that yogurt in their mouth. You know, they don't get discouraged and just say, Oh, forget it. I'll never eat. Or, you know, when they're Mm -hmm. trying to crawl and they fall on their chin, they don't give up. They keep. And she said, this needs to be a guide for us that it's Mm -hmm. discouragement is not natural to childhood. And so, you know, that's something we can try and leave behind, that discouragement that we can feel as adults. The child shows us that it's it's not natural to us.
0: Mm. The child is leading us on this path of personal and, and spiritual growth, and we just have to take the time to, to stop and notice.
1: Yes. Yeah, one, one of my favorite things that Dr. Montessori said is, She said, I see that the human family is divided into two poles of humanity, the pole of childhood and the pole of adulthood, and each is supposed to exert a reciprocal influence on one another. And certainly, Dr. Montanaro would talk about that a lot, that the child is supposed to be forming the adult as much as the adult forms the child. Mm. And Dr. Montessori said, when, when we don't allow for their formation of us, when we in our pride don't allow ourselves to be formed, she said, we frustrate the apostolate of the child. Mm. And I think that is just one of my most favorite phrases, to, that they have an apostolate they're trying to carry out, not consciously, by their very nature, you know, this is part of the reason why God created us as children. He could have kept creating everyone as adults like he did with mm-hmm. Adam and Eve, but he didn't. You know, um, that formation that by their beautiful nature, the, the goodness of the human person, they, they bring us back to that love of the present moment, love of simplicity and nature, desire to work, all of those things that they mm-hmm. offer us.
0: I've never thought about it in respect of Adam and Eve before, like you just said. Of, I wonder if, I'd have to ponder it, but I wonder if that is why God brought children into the world right after the fall, that he, children maybe were to guide us back to what is most right. essential and guide us back to him.
1: Right. That is, that's what Dr. Montessori wrote a really beautiful article on that. And that's what she thought, that it was the the renewal of humanity was coming as a baby And she said, you know, our Lord, too, he he easily could have come as king, you know, Mm -hmm. as as a fully formed adult. But he took on that, which she said, you know, naturally makes infancy sacred Mm -hmm. because he passed through it. I do love in the beginning of this chapter on on page 15, where she says, um, when we are with children, if we realize we have a model for ourselves, as Christ said, we will discover that our relationship not only helps them, but helps us too.
0: Mm -hmm. There is a lot of wisdom in this chapter.
1: Yes, yes. And only four pages. I know that's why that really the the whole book is so worth reading it.
0: (laughs) It really is. Yeah. And just four pages and such. It's a very easy read. Um, But there's so much, like if if you could see my book, there's so many underlines and notes on the Underlines, I know. (laughs) And lots of stars, because there's so many things that she said that I was like, yes, yes.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes. Yes, and the need for order. I was so glad, you know, to to see that that was included in this, um, that that, it can be such a disservice to the child and the adult is just really completely unaware. This is on page 18. Um, So unaware of how important order is to that Mm -hmm. zero to three year old. And well, and still, the three to six year old we know in our formation courses, you know we're taught that once we set up that environment, we really don't want to make changes because it can be very unsettling to the child, and when we do need to make a change, we tell them about it, you know mm-hmm. because we see them come in and they see and they they have that confusion but For that zero to three year old, when they're just every day taking in millions of impressions, Montessori would say that they're trying to create mental order. And so, because man is material, we're dependent on matter and material, we need our material world to stay the same so that we can be dependent on it, so that we can be, you know, creating that mental order without having to learn you know, a a change in the physical order constantly. So that order within their schedule, the order within the home, how important that is. And then who does that affect? But us, you know, it makes us better by having to keep things ordered, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We all need order. And we see in creation how, you know, the seasons are ordered. And 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 that's why, you know, with a young child's environment, it needs to be very simple, very few toys, very few clothes out at a time, very few, you know, items. Really, they're absorbing that language and movement, and they don't need a lot of manipulatives. The The home mm-hmm. itself is enough, pulling up on all the different pieces of furniture, feeling the edges of the carpet, you know, all that. Um, and that makes it easier to keep that order for the child.
0: Mm-hmm and then builds that sense of security inside the child.
1: Yes. Yes, I can depend on where I live.
0: I love how much Silvana lifts up the parents or the the adults in the child's life, kind of empowering them in this growth and in this specific time in the child's life that they are participating in God's plan at this time, and to not take that time lightly, to really embrace this beautiful work that God has before them to build the kingdom of God with this child in their arms.
1: Yes. And don't, don't you love what she says about the father's presence? Mm-hmm. I just, it's so beautiful. I, I, I know in the training, she would really emphasize that if at all possible, if the husband can take off work for at least two weeks, you know, in many places in Europe now, they can. Have four to six weeks off because he is that natural. She says the um, the protective barrier mm-hmm. between um, the mother and the child from outside disturbances, and sometimes that can be, you know, the well-meaning in-laws. You know, everybody wants to come and see the new baby, and. You know, she was so adamant that those first weeks together are sacred. And, mm-hmm. you know, even extended family needs to be little bit at a time. And it's the father that's, you know, the one. And I just think of that statue of St. Joseph with his arms around Our Lady mm-hmm. and the Christ Child mm-hmm. being that protective barrier so that they have this time to get to know each other outside of the womb now, face-to-face and nursing and learning the, to communicate with the baby. It's just that beautiful, sacred, um, she called it the symbiotic period of life.
0: Mm-hmm. I love the way that she she says to fathers that they are just as necessary now as they were at the start of this new life. I love that.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for sharing with us, Maggie. You are so wise and you have shared so many beautiful things with us. And I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks for this opportunity, Carrie. Thank you, Maggie. Thank you all for joining us today for chapter two of our book study. Please join us online for some more discussion. Also, if you still need a copy of the book, go to our show notes because I'll have a link there for you to be able to access the book. Get some friends together and do the book study together any way that you are able to. You could also download the discussion questions that we have on our website. Again, I'll put a link in the show notes that you might want to just journal with yourself to dive deeper into the wisdom that is found in this book. This podcast is sponsored by the United States Association of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. We want to thank all the contributing members of the association because you are making this podcast possible. If you want to know more about Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, or if you would like to become a member, please go to cgsusa.org. Thank you all for joining us this week. We will see you in two weeks when we discuss chapter three, Practical Suggestions. Go and fall more deeply in love with God.